3: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Support for 100 Words, the podcast, comes from Talenti. When Talenti makes gelato and sorbetto, they tend to get a little overzealous. Did they need to use so many raspberries in their Roman raspberry sorbetto that the machine broke? Did they need to try 25 different chai teas to find the perfect spice blend for their vanilla chai gelato? Did they have to invent giant mint steepers to make their Mediterranean mint super minty? Does their obsessiveness make Talenti, Gelato, and Sorbetto the greatest? You be the judge. But yes, it does make them the greatest, and they're also the judge. Talenti, the delicious is in the details, and trust me, this stuff is incredible. I've been eating it all summer, and I have to work out a lot, but it's, it's great. Trust me. Dive in. You'll love it. Now, here's the show. Yes, welcome to 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins. Hopefully you're doing well this beautiful day, whatever you're deciding to listen to it. Or maybe it's in the future and you are listening to this like a year after it came out. Either way, welcome. <laughs> and we are discussing people who are involved in independent music, whether it's working at record labels, whether it's you know being publicity people, whatever. As long as you're connected to independent music and it runs through your veins, like it runs through my veins. Then that is who we are bringing on the show and doing a nice in-depth discussion with them about you know how important that stuff is. And this person embodies that because they are they've been at it for quite some time and playing in some incredibly influential and monumental bands. Dave Lombardo, he played in Slayer. He also currently plays for Suicidal Tendencies, Misfits. The dude is a workhorse and we actually talk about that. And, um, I just, I, <clears throat> I, I, I'm trying to think of in terms that I can even express of how cool it is that I get to hang out with Dave Lombardo for an hour and talk about his life and talk about things that uh, motivate him and, you know, talk about being a dad. Like it was, it was a very, very fun discussion that we had. So I hope that you are, uh, you're ready for it. Cause if you're not, then press pause, but I think you're ready for it, so you're you're okay. Uh, let's get some some plugs out of the way, and then we will uh, talk about Dave, and then we'll dive into the interview. So, obviously, this show is part of the Jabberjaw Media Network, and if you like this podcast, because it's hard to discover cool podcasts, right? And that is why I'm here. to Tell you about two particular shows. One of them, Mike Herrera Hour. So. Mike Herrera, you know, MXPX, like everybody knows that dude, right? Well, he does a podcast. He's been doing it for quite some time. Um, I want to say it's maybe he started his, like maybe a year or so after this show existed, but regardless, he's plugging away, doing his thing, doing awesome content. Uh, Oh, I hate to use that word. Sorry. Doing awesome interviews. It's not too dissimilar to what this show is, but, um, yeah, he kind of goes at it, uh, you know, from maybe a, a different angle. So go listen to the Mike Herrera hour on any podcast catcher you may have. And then also a good friend of mine, Doc Coyle does the X-Man podcast. He's actually a previous guest on the show. He played in God Forbid. He's, He's just a dude in and around town. He lives in Los Angeles now, which I actually have not run into him since he's moved out here. But regardless, he does an incredible podcast too. His is more focused on the metal world than anything else, which that's why I figured this is a perfect place to tell you about it on this particular show. But um, yeah, Doc does a great job of interviewing people and having a definitely fly on the wall conversation, you know, shooting, shooting the crap, so to speak. <clears throat> but yeah, that's what we got as far as plugs are concerned. I actually just recently got back from a uh, outdoor camp, and I know that sounds maybe a little unconventional or weird for an adult to go to a camp, but it actually was a camp for uh, cancer. Sur- well, yeah, survivors, people who have been affected by cancer and their families. And uh, this is unbelievable foundation. Uh, Me, one foundation for those of you who, uh, you know, might be interested in that. Uh, I couldn't recommend it more. It was in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Uh, It was beautiful. It was super hot, which sucked. But uh, everything else about it was unbelievable and just super fun. And it was great to be able to, frankly, just hang out with my family and not have any of those real life distractions kind of coming at us. So, uh, yeah, I came back feeling very inspired very uh, very recharged you know which is what you should do after some sort of vacation but yeah so I, I hope that you uh, you're you're finding your vacation time here in the summer and the ability to take a break because that that is an incredibly important aspect to uh you know being creative and being productive because I think so many people have this notion of like oh man I gotta work my fingers to the bone and like the, some of that is true but like you need to be able to disconnect and give yourself some some care and uh, some TLC some time down just you know sit sit and read a book like all that stuff is very very helpful and I, I want to remind you to do that and then um yeah like I was talking about Dave just a uh, a warm dude I really wasn't nervous about this conversation because I've listened to a few other shows he's been on and he's definitely making the rounds you know I I see other podcasts he's appeared on and um he, on that on that note, it uh, I really I try to focus on having a different conversation than what he's maybe had in the past. And like, yes, there are certain notes that I need to hit as far as like you know he's where he's grown up and that sort of stuff. But I try to preload the question where it's just like, okay, I know you were born in Cuba and blah blah blah, and like you'll you'll hear that in the interview. Um, but I really am cognizant of it because I personally I listen to a ton of podcasts, and you can tell when a person is going around on a press tour. And like, you know, maybe they appear on, you know, the Nerdist show and then they appear on WTF. And I'm just like, I need to hear one interview from this person. And I hope that that my episode of a show kind of cuts through the clutter, not saying the other stuff is bad. You know, it's fine. But I'm just trying to make sure that, uh, you know, this this percolates to the top of your radar. So I want I want you to know that. (laughs) But yeah, anyways, here uh, here's my discussion with Dave, and then I will talk to you after the episode is over, like we usually do, right? Okay, and stick around, because I always mention the guest of the next week's show on that little outro, so if you tune out, then you're missing out, so here, here's I was a more of a punk and hardcore kid, so metal cr- crept into my life more in high school via uh, the drummers that I was playing with because they were, um, you know, clearly more influenced by the metal side of things. And the dude I played with for years, you know, was was a devotee of you in regards to you know learning from you and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, is it uh, just because you've been able to be so prolific over your drumming life when? you know, reality, it's the most physically demanding of all the instruments. And, you know, it's harder as you get older to be able to have a stamina and everything like that.
4: Is it? I, or, I don't know, is it? <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like, you know, I, I've been told this, you know, many times by my closest, you know, uh, uh, people that, I, that surround me. Uh, you know, you tell me, you know, that I was... I was made to do this. I was born to do this, mm-hmm. and uh, so being tired or slowing down—I uh, don't think that's going to, you know, happen to me anytime soon. Um, but yeah, I—it's—it's it's really interesting how my career has just—you know—it's a roller coaster, but I've maintained to always keep my head above the water. And if not, you know, get to a point where I'm absolutely comfortable. And right now I'm I'm I am I am like in this zen, music zen where I have this amazing balance of three different bands plus little projects that I do here and there. Right. Um, and it's it's satisfying. It's musically it's gratifying is what I'm trying to say. You know, and I don't know. It's it's really. I'm I'm very grateful. I'm happy. I'm surrounded by positive people, and uh, um, you know I have a great you know assistant. You know management team where. You know my schedule is is laid out, and I don't um, fuck shit up like I would normally do. I say if I would book things myself, I I overbook myself. I'll you know I'll miss an interview or I'll miss an appointment, and that doesn't look good. So you know I've have. you know not only suicidal but misfits and and uh dead cross you know their teams you know they're all understanding of my schedule and we're all aware of everyone else's schedule too because you know obviously all the other musicians you know they have they have things that they're doing too so uh there's there's a good balance and there's a really you know Great camaraderie and understanding of of schedules and and everything. So it's cool, man. I don't think it's going to stop or slow down. I think this is only the beginning.
3: Sure, (laughs) and it's funny too because I, I, you know, most people make the jokes of no one paying attention to the drummer of the band, um, whereas you know there are certain people that you know (laughs) have have the not only the talent but the capabilities of you know whatever stepping out. (laughs) From behind the drum, the drum kit, and being like, "Oh no!" Like you know, I, I'm comfortable, you know, being spoken to and doing interviews and that sort of stuff. Was that so, was that something that kind of uh, you learned how to do as you, um, you know, I guess you grew as a, not only as a musician but as a human being, or was that something that you had to really um, kind of grasp as more people started to pay attention to you?
4: Um. It, it happened naturally because, you know, when when I first started, you know, with Slayer, you know, they threw us in the whole, you know, press cycle and, and interviews and, all right, Dave, you go over here, you're going to do this interview, you know, uh, Jeff, you'll go to this, this group of people and do this series of interviews. So we were, we were trained at a young age, so uh, I became used to it. And, and I embraced it and, and enjoy it and understand that there's always this, you know, this period before an album is released where you have to do all these interviews. So, you know, it, it's never bothered me. Um, and I feel that anything that has developed it's happened naturally and you know even you know with me being just you know like they say oh just the drummer no I mean I'm actually you know you know at times you know leader and and at times a songwriter and um and motivator you know cheerleader so um so you have like all these little different jobs that you take on to So I don't know. It's pretty cool the way it's all developed.
3: Sure. Sure. Yeah. And, and that was, um, you know, this is something I was going to hit a little bit later, but the, um, you know, the notion of, you know, being a business person while also the expressing yourself artistically, um, did the uh, because you've been able to navigate in so many business environments you know whether it was you know total diy like you know you, you guys booking your own shows and all that sort of stuff versus you know some of the you know playing arenas and that sort of stuff where like you said you have management it helps you and everything like that um was that was the business side of music something that came naturally to you or did you have to really kind of like learn as you went along
4: Oh you learn as you go along and it was just dropped on my lap you know because when you're when you're young all you want to do is just play play your music leave me alone all i just want to do is just be on stage you know you don't want to be bothered with anything and you tend to ignore the most important you know part of your career and that's you know who's paying you the money, you know, your cut, you know, and and so, you know, you're, you, you become aware of the process of, of, who gets paid, what gets paid first, and what you end up with, and, and so you, you have to sometimes, you know, ask questions and, and take the bull by the horn, and and sometimes you know even at a low level, at a low um, at a low stage in a band's career, not a low but a smaller stage in a band's career. You know, you you play a show, you get paid. You got to pay for gas. You got to pay for you know your hotel rooms. You know, then you don't have much left. <laughs> so on to the next show. You know, and you just learn this. As you go along, it's 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 interesting, but it's very important for musicians to be aware of, uh, you know, where everything goes, you know, the money and you know who gets paid and, and everything. Oh
1: yeah,
3: got to
4: make sure you got to make sure there's no leaks in the money bag.
3: Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, I think it's one of those things, too, where you only learn by making horrible mistakes, you know, (laughs) where it's like, oh, I don't don't do that anymore. I shouldn't. Yeah. Oh,
4: yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) By experience. And, you know, when I recorded my first album, when I released my first album, I had just graduated from high school. I was 18 years old. So really, what it, here? I have a career. Am I supposed to go to college? Hey guys, hold on! I'm going to go to college and learn business. No, instead, I, I took the road, and, and it's sometimes the hard way. But I wouldn't change it because it's made me who I am today. Right. And it's, you know, yeah, it sucks, but hey, it, it is what it is. You know, I'm better. I'm a better person today by those experiences.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's, uh, that notion definitely comes from the environment that you were raised in, in regards to, you know, being a part of a DIY scene, whether it's like metal, punk, hardcore, it doesn't matter. If you have to do it yourself initially, you're, yeah, you're going to be terrible at it when you begin, but you're going to develop those chops over time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um so you know, kind of reflecting more individually on you, where you know you were born in Cuba and you know your your brothers came to the u s before you and you know y- you've laid out that story you know pretty uh you know pretty eloquently in the past um yeah. it did but you know something in kind of you know reading those pieces uh about your earlier life um did it feel chaotic at all or was it one of those things where you didn't know any better so you couldn't really call it chaotic
4: uh chaotic in in to what terms like what what do you talk about being chaotic
3: yes more specifically just like your childhood in regards to you know uh be you know once you immigrated to the united states and like you know the process of of getting out of cuba and all that sort of stuff did it, did it feel chaotic or was it just like oh this um, is what i'm doing today
4: <laughs> well i really don't remember i was two years old you know when my parents you know came to the u.s and um so I, I don't remember you know any of that. I'm sure it was. Um, I'm sure it was chaotic, especially you know the trip over. you know I heard stories that you know things were rough. You know, they had my parents, myself, and my sister camp out at the airport, you know, waiting for the airplane to to leave. And uh, you know, no food, no water you know the government says oh you'll have plenty you know you'll have plenty of food to eat when you're in america you know uh so you know things were a little brutal but uh you know when we got here um you know from what i remember you know we lived a normal life my dad you know he worked and my mom took care of the house and uh Uh, And I was, you know, here here I was, you know, starting kindergarten in first grade, second grade and in an English speaking school. And, you know, I had to learn the language and learn it fast. Uh, So, um, you know, that was probably, you know, what I remember the most difficult part was, you know, kindergarten, first and second grade, you know, and having the teachers meet with my with my mom and saying, okay, you know, your son, you know, you need to tutor him or, or, you know, we need to put him in a, in a different class. Cause obviously I spoke, I was learning English and, and I had already known Spanish. So I was learning English and, you know, I had a little difficulty in, you know, figuring out words and stuff, but, you know, not, you know, it wasn't chaotic, you know, it was just challenging.
3: Yeah. Oh, sure. No, I mean, it's cool. Like you, you had the foundation that was there in regards to, you know, your family and your support system. It was just a matter of, uh, pushing, um, <laughs> pushing that it was, uh, it was okay for you.
4: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah. Um, and so and it's been well documented that you know, uh, like you said, you released your first record when you were you know 18 years old, just out of high school, and like music was you know always your path. Like there was really no uh, diverting you from that. Uh, you know that <laughs> no. <Mm-mm. laughs> and did, like, was the pursuit of it the idea that you were like, hey, no matter what, I'm going to figure out a way to like piece this together and like make a living, or was it just kind of like, well, I'll see how long this goes.
4: Um, no, I was headstrong. I wanted, I wanted to be a rock star. That's what I wanted to be. You know, I I would listen to, you know, being a teenager, I would listen to Kiss. I obviously I, you know, I listened to the Who, Zeppelin, um, you know, Jimi Hendrix and stuff. And I looked up to those bands and I wanted to be like that. You know, I would look at, you know, go to the store and, and check out the magazines, you know, um, like there was this magazine called Circus and Cream and they you know, they specialized in rock bands and I remember thumbing through those, you know, and that's what I wanted to be in front of a crowd, you know, and on stage. Um so there really wasn't anything else for me but that, you know. My parents, you know, didn't understand, I guess, the how how driven I was and you know, they were concerned that, you know, I was just occupied my mind was occupied by this dream you know they were concerned that hey you know we want you to get a job we want we want you to learn how to get out there and hustle you know you're not going to be just you know living on a dream you know you got to you got got to get out there and work so you know they wanted me to you know obviously you know get a job and you know try to make something of myself, you know? Because they did say many times, hey, this isn't going to get you anywhere. Right. You know, you got to get out there, you know? And um, But I wasn't interested in anything else but music, you know? But if there was something that I was interested in or, or something that I would pursue, would have been music engineering. Um, and also, I was really good at uh, um, technical design, like... In high school, I took these uh, these courses, and, and shortly after high school, I got a job at a. Um, for I think might have been nine months, uh, I was designing enclosures for generator sets for hospitals and 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 different facilities. Um, so my path was going either in design, technical design, or or, or music, and, and music obviously took the took the path.
3: Yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's cool. Because, I mean, the reason I ask that is because, you know, the notion, you know, I'm sure when you were looking at uh, these larger than life bands, you know, Kiss, Led Zeppelin, like the the path from point A to point B is daunting. It's not like, oh, I'm going to wake up in two years and all of a sudden be in an amphitheater playing in front of a ton of people. But just the idea that, like, hey, I I want to make this my living, you know, good or bad. I just want to try to do the best I can at it.
4: Yeah, we were driven, you know, very young. You know, we went out and made our own lights, made our own pyros, uh, you know, our, our own light system, you know, uh, made our own pyro. Um, we'd go out and, and flyer, make a bunch of flyers and, and go flyer the high school late at night, you know, stick a flyer inside every locker and uh you know that's what we did, which is you know similar to what people do today. You know what they do, just post. You know, uh, but we actually did the groundwork and uh, you know hit all the local schools, and uh, we, so it, it was different. Uh, but it was also a different mindset. We were, I think, more driven than 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 normal. I think the normal kids. Um, we were passionate and wanted to make it happen. And oddly enough, we released, uh, you know, Show No Mercy in, in 83. We were, you know, December of 83, we were in Europe uh, on stage, you know, at playing festivals uh, at in 84. right. So it did happen, you know, we did, did (laughs) you know, we did woke up, wake up and and a year later, two years later, I was on a big stage. Um, It it was odd and it's been since then uh, a bizarre but amazing trip.
3: Right, right, for sure. Um, You know, clearly people focus uh, on your, uh, you know, double bass prowess and your uh, talent at that and, you know, introducing it to... Uh, you know a lot of aggressive music and you know clearly it's going to be you know the first or second line of your eulogy
4: (laughs) but (laughs) yeah yeah right
3: (laughs) (laughs) but why uh was was that just something that you were you were drawn to initially in regards to kind of uh you know not not focusing solely on hey i'm just going to focus on double bass and it would be terrible at everything else because clearly that's not the case for you but um You know, it seemed like you put a large focus on that. Was that just kind of a function of your interest, or was that just a a deliberate thing that you were trying to kind of carve out for yourself?
4: Uh, No, it was a a function of my interest. I, I I was a fan of drummers that had recorded songs with double bass. Um, You know, uh, some of the drummers that performed with uh, with with Judas Priest, and uh, of course, you know, Filthy Taylor. from from Motorhead, um, you know, when I heard "No Sleep Till Hammersmith" um, and and heard some of the double bass work, you know, it was it was awesome. It, it totally inspired me to to buy another bass drum, and uh, you know, and, and not only did it sound good, but it looked really cool when you had a double bass drum set. And if you can use it, that was even better, you know, because there were times I did see, you know. Bands, let's say, I couldn't even, I couldn't tell you who, but uh, let's say, for example, you know, Boston, you know, not a, not a double bass kind of band, but they would have a double bass drum set on stage just because it looked good, you know, but they would never use it. You would never hear it in the music. Let me, let me say it again. I know Boston probably didn't use a double bass kit on stage, you know, but, um, you know, that was just the example that there were bands out there that were doing it, that were showing a kid on stage, but they wouldn't actually use it. And uh we made sure that we, you know, implemented that style. Right. You know, and and by increasing, you know, I think increasing the speed that the double bass was being played, you know, that was in part... Um, Influenced and driven by the punk attitude, you know, that punk energy to play fast. And so that's how everything just became a little bit quicker. And uh, and I think in part was, you know, also that young energy, you know, that you had at that time and kind of still have, you know, to play to play that that kind of music that influenced it and drove it yeah to that level
3: no oh, absolutely it makes total sense um and so was was ostensibly slayer your first experience in regards to um like touring and you know seeing the road and stuff like that, or had you done previous things that uh you know gave you a little taste of that tour life uh
4: yeah, Slayer was the first band I had toured with. The first band I got in a van with, you know, and and we traveled across the country. Actually, our first U.S. tour was in a U-Haul truck and uh, I think a 1978 Camaro. <laughs> uh, I think something like that. I don't know. Right. And uh, but I did play in in a couple other bands before. You know, I had like in in high school in the early days of high school. I think ninth grade I had one one band and then uh tenth grade I had another one and then Slayer came into the picture uh I think summer of eleventh grade.
5: The show is sponsored by BetterHelp.
3: Okay, I'm here to talk to you about smiles. Now, I know that may sound kind of random, but there's this rad rad company that I've partnered with called Smile Direct Club. Now, to be completely honest and transparent, this is something that my wife was going to do because she, uh, you know, she was very interested in it. But after I've kind of you know did started to pay attention to the process that she was going through, I was like, you know what, I want to do this. My teeth are not perfect at all. Hers are totally spot on. So, I have commandeered this experience cuz you know, for those of you that are total super nerds of the show, maybe heard an ad for this a couple months ago and she did that read well with my help obviously. But uh Smile Direct Club. So, what do they do? They work directly with you to get unbelievable results in regards to, you know, straightening your teeth, making your smile as bright and as awesome as possible. Like it's not a teeth whitening thing. Basically, it's a, uh, you know, It gets your stuff straight. So the other Invisible Align brands can cost up to $5,000, which is absolutely absurd. But Smile Direct Club aligners are 70% less. And you could even save more with insurance or a flexible spending account. There are two easy ways to pay. You can either have a single payment of $18.50 and then they waive a bunch of other costs. Or you can have a credit thing, which is called Smile Pay. It's $95 a month for 22 months. No credit check required. Now, I am about a month or so into the process of, you know, I, I did the, uh, you know, measurements and I, I sent in my molds, of my teeth, and now they're in the process of, uh, you know, getting those, uh, those retainers out to me or those aligners. I, I apologize for the terminology, but it's, it's aligners. That's what they are. So uh, I'm very, very excited to start that process. And it couldn't be easier. Like when they send you the kit, it's in this awesome box. You got the mold, you mix it. it. It takes you less than 15 minutes, and then you're done. You ship it off to them. There's no further thought. And you can get started with an at-home impression kit for only 95 bucks, And it's covered by their smile guarantee. So if the liners aren't a good fit for you, you get your money back. So if you, know, you do the impressions and it's like, oh, no, like this, you're good. You don't need to worry about this. Then the, the, the money comes back to you. And then better yet, the listeners of this show can save 50% on your evaluation cost with this offer, so visit Smile Direct Club and use the promo code Words. And then, if you or your children just want to get that straight smile, so like you, you got to be over twelve though. That's that's the one thing I'll mention. Dive in, go to the website SmileDirectClub.com, use the code Words, and you get fifty percent off. And it's available all around the United States except for North Carolina. So you North Carolinians can't take a part of this offer but it's awesome I, I love this product and I think that if you are even just remotely interested in straightening your teeth a bit you know put getting getting your best impression out there this is the product for you so SmileDirectClub, club I love it you should too SmileDirectClub.com, promo code words 50% off boom and did you uh, did you enjoy touring like once you started to do it because I know that there are people who you know the common conception of touring is oh you know you get a get a big bus and you travel around and you play some shows but obviously <laughs> obviously it's not like that at the beginning so did you no. did you like it initially or was it something you had to learn how to get uh, how to like
4: i loved it i loved it. it 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 was it was freedom you know you get to travel across the country and you get to do what you love um i i enjoy and i still enjoy to this day playing uh, you know, touring in a van. It's not necessarily tour buses. I really don't care uh, if it's a tour bus. I mean, it's great. It adds convenience and it's comfortable because you get a bunk. you know, but I've done tours where it's just uh, a suburban, three three guys in a suburban with all our gear, you know, traveling across the country and and um, and and just you know, checking into super eight motels all on the way. Um, I did that a year and a half ago um and still you know I think today I would do it um so I, I don't know it's not uh it's not daunting and it's not something that i i didn't like i always enjoyed it
3: that's awesome yeah well yeah it's, i think it's especially easier to live in different worlds as far as, like, the comfort level of touring when you have done those, you know, all right, we're only going to be playing in front of 100 100 people and, you know, we're, you know, we're in the middle middle of nowhere and we're going to get a hotel room because, like, you know, if you get your first touring experience is something like, you know, A++, like, tour bus scenario, you're going to be like, wait a minute. I don't want to go backwards.
4: <laughs> right. And you become a little arrogant. Oh, I, I I, can't do it. It's like, you know, dude, fucking suck it up, man. Because you know? <laughs> I, I love it. I've, I've played, man, you know, it's, it's a roller coaster, which, I, which is what I love. I hate the merry-go-round. You know, I, I enjoy a roller coaster much better, and that's how my life has been. Uh, you know, I could be at the top one year. You know, playing Yankee Stadium, big tour, boom. And then a year and a half, two years later, I'm playing a small club with 100 100 people in it. Less than 100 people, you know. And then now I'm back on the bigger stages, you know, playing the downloads, you know, with Suicidal. And then, you know, headlining Riot Fest with, with Misfits, you know, and now Dead Cross, you know. So things are you know, they move, you know, and, and kind of cycles almost. But you have to love all sides of, of the, both sides, you gotta love both sides of the coin, the good side and the bad side, you know? Yeah. You gotta just really, you gotta embrace it because you can't forget your roots. You know, and then you become arrogant and, you know, self-deserving and, and all this shit, and it's like, man, that's not the personality I never wanna be. You know, that's not the person, yeah, I just, I refuse to be that way. So I embrace every scenario and situation, you know, and 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 enjoy for what it is.
3: Yeah. Yeah, you don't yeah, you try not to look past it. You just look at what you're experiencing currently and be like, Oh yeah, there's pros and cons to each thing as you're doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good
4: I love traveling. I actually enjoy travelling on our own let's say if we were in a in a minivan or 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 whatever and the gear in another truck and let's say i'm driving because if i want to pull over at that you know at that museum of the largest you know ball of twine or whatever you know on the side of the road you know i'll stop you know when you're on a tour bus and You know, you're on a particular schedule. You can't do that. You know, hey, I want to buy a box of fireworks on the side of the off the ten freeway in the middle of Arizona. You know, you you can do it, Um, or whatever. And and so I kind of enjoy that. You know, that style of uh, or that method of traveling. You know, a little better. But yeah. the comfort part of it is also cool. Oh,
3: of course, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> something I I forgot to mention or ask a little bit earlier. What kind of um, kid did you find yourself being? You know, in high school and as you're experiencing all this music. Like, were you the you know quiet artistic kid? Were you uh, you know the the weirdo outsider because you were into a bunch of weird music? Or you know what sort of archetype uh, would you find yourself falling into?
4: Well, shit! I had long hair. Okay. I I. I wore a leather vest. Uh, <laughs> I was like a cross between uh, a kind of hybrid between punk and metal. Right. you know um, I remember there was a period where I was really into metal and I had this like I said a leather vest and striped shirts and you know kind of kind of Judas priest crosses scorpions or something, you know. Right. I'm sure you've seen some of those pictures, early pictures of Slayer. And then, you know, it became with, you know, T-shirts and, and jeans wearing, you know, punk rock shirts. and But I still had long hair. Um, so, I don't know. It's just...
3: Were like were, were you were, I, were you outgoing or were you more of a recluse? Like how how did you? Uh,
4: I no, I was outgoing. I okay. wasn't a recluse. No, I was sociable. You know, yeah, I hung out with everyone and you know ditched school like everyone else did and you know got into some trouble. But you know, for the most part, you know, I, I was a good kid. You know, good student. But you know, the, I had some edge to me sure as one, yeah
3: yeah as one would when you're wearing a leather vest or <laughs> right <a> leather vest. <laughs> exactly
4: hey, but i went to school you know yeah. so
3: right you did your part you did your part yeah um something that uh you know i find interesting too is be you know this more speaks probably to your personality than anything else but you know clearly you've existed in, a, in a, a world that has uh you know claimed many people from you know very debaucherous habits and uh you know a lot of other terrible dark paths but you yourself haven't gone so far as to uh you know dive down one of those completely where it swallowed you up um how how did it uh, i mean i guess how did you navigate that as you uh
4: Luck, okay. Uh, I was very lucky. Um, I feel that I have traveled, you know, those dark paths. But you know, I wasn't in a good place in my life, you know. So, um, you know, so I've been able to kind of kind of save myself in a way uh, from falling into that. You know, I I, I have been you know, part of that, but I, it's never been, you know, public, you know, it's not like something, oh, you know, everyone knows that, you know, either I was a drunk or or a druggy. No, everything was just, uh, it was to myself and personal, you know, so I've kept everything under control and, and I've, you know, I've basically, you know, I've stormed through or, or I've I've weathered the storm, as they say. I believe I think that's how you say it, right?
3: I yes, you you weathered the storm. Where it's like, yeah, you you. Uh, well, I mean, I guess to your point, like you have, uh, you know, uh, you, you've you've sampled the things that exist and swallow people up, but you haven't been consumed by it. So like, I guess exactly you, right, right. exactly. Right, so yeah, but exactly. But, I mean, to your credit, you probably uh, I, I guess, like I said, going back to your personality, you don't have one that would lead you to something, uh, I guess, you know, darker and be more addictive. No,
4: no. The only addictive thing I have is, is music and, and coffee. That's it, you know, (laughs) caffeine. So that's it, you know, um, (laughs) which I'm very, you know, happy. And, and right now, you know, as you get older, you know, you, you, you take care, uh, at least you would hope that people would take care of themselves. You know, I try to eat as healthy as possible. I take my vitamins, you know, and uh, uh, and stay away from negative people.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Because
4: that's, that's uh, you know, that's toxic right there. If you're not around the right group of people, you know, that shit brings you down, you know, more than you can imagine, you know.
3: Totally. So, misery, yeah. misery loves company, man.
4: Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, not me. I just stay away from all negativity and just stay positive and move forward and I think that that's what I believe has gotten me to where I am today.
3: Sure. Well, I I think too the notion that you can be a person who um, you know, may have an opinion about the way things go, but you know, relatively speaking, you're probably easy to work with, you know, um, because you've been able to exist in all of these environments in which, um, you know, can be... Uh, one would probably describe, like, oh, yeah, you know, a writing session with Slayer probably gets pretty intense at times, but you've been able to, you know, and, and the same thing where it's, like, suicidal tendencies where, you know, someone would look at at those guys and be like oh my gosh that must be that must be difficult to you know work with those dudes but you've been able Hmm. to uh i guess be a chameleon in many different environments do you feel that that's kind of you know more again going back to your personality you feel like you're able to blend into a lot of different scenarios and still contribute
4: yes absolutely you have to being a drummer uh you need to have that personality you can't um you know like insist that it needs to be the certain way, you know, because you have to blend in into this, let's say for example, Mike Muir, you know, he's already established a style and a sound and, and a direction in his music and, and, um, and, and life and i'm not going to go in there oh we need to do this and we need to do that and you know start imposing my thoughts and ideas i mean that's just not conducive to to a working environment you know you do have to yeah i'll interject some opinion you know but you know there's a way of doing it politely and without you know any disrespect you know um so that's kind of the way i've been doing things you know where you're just uh um yes, you, you are a chameleon. You you have to be, you know. And um, it's the only way to keep the peace and 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 move forward and, and get a good reputation, you know. People are gonna like, you know, to work with you. If you know you're cooperative and, you know, if you listen, observe and um, you know follow instructions and you know, that way you could create the best possible piece of music, you know, for the band that you're performing in. You know, same thing with Misfits. It's like, I wasn't going to go in there and throw all kinds of <laughs> dumbass double bass into their music when they never recorded uh, a, a double bass in, in the band. You know, some some fans, oh, you know, it doesn't sound like Lombardo. Why didn't he add some double bass? It's like, dude, That's I'm not- playing for the Misfits. Right. They, double pedal never existed. And in punk, you don't use a double bass. So you, you try to give what that band, um, you know, you, you, gotta be respectful, you know, to the history of the band and the music.
3: Yeah. No. Yeah. Talk, talk about a horrible reaction. If like you went out there at riot fest and just like, just, just smoked everybody from a musicianship standpoint and everyone's like, dude, calm down, Dave.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right.
3: <laughs> yeah. That would have, that would have bummed uh, a few people out. I imagine.
4: <laughs> yeah but it was it was a great experience, yeah, you just have to be you, you have to add what what 's necessary you know you just have to add what it needs you don 't need to overplay i 'm not here to i 'm um, here to enhance the band, not you know show off you know i 'm here to add to the band you know not to showboat yeah you know that's that's not me i don't like that you know some drummers you know they come into a band and you know they're throwing all these chops every you know these all these drum chops and it's like that's it doesn't even sound like the original song how can you do that you know yeah. you know give it your style give it your edge breathe life into it but don't take away from its originality Mm -hmm. you know that's important you have to be respectful to the history of not only the band but to the music you know so yeah absolutely it's a fine line you know sure and and i sometimes try to interject a little bit of myself and i'm always asking you know hey can i add this you know would you mind if i add this uh this little drum roll it's not on the album but uh i think it'll be kind of cool and you know usually it's uh it's a yes But if it's a no, then fine. Let's go back to the original. No problem. Right. We tried. (laughs) We tried it. We tried it. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
1: at purdueglobal.edu
3: um <laughs> something something that uh, always struck me um, as really um you know i just respected the decision like you know when you left slayer um and the the notion was that like hey you know my my family is an incre- incredibly important thing and i need to be present for you know the the birth of my first child and all of these things that you know a lot of people say is important but you know you left a very highly functional uh from a business perspective band at that point um I'm guessing that you know. I mean, you clearly don't regret your decision, like we were talking about uh, earlier, because they all led you to where you're at now. But um, was there a lot of kind of you know internal wrestling where it was just like, man, I'm leaving this thing. And yes, of course, like my kid is clearly very, very important. Like that, I'm not uh, uh, you know giving you short shrift from that. But um, was there a lot of wrestling around you had to do with that?
4: Um. No, there wasn't uh, because you know, once I, once I feel something, you know, once, once I get a thought in my mind, it's like, okay, no, I need to do this. You know, you, you, you're convinced. I don't need to convince myself. It's like, I know that this is the important thing to do. This is the right thing to do. You know, um, I still have my talent. I still play drums. I can do it somewhere else, you know? Uh, so it's not, it's not like, uh, it's not going to, you know, break me. I feel like I just needed to just move on and and continue to create and continue doing what I loved. Um, yeah, it's just, there, there, there really wasn't, and I knew that that's what I needed to do.
3: Right. Right. Well, I really like the way that you put that where, um, you know, clearly, like you said, this isn't, yeah, this is the end of, um, you know, one thing that you've been familiar with for so long and you know, it's successful, but it's not like it's diminishing the fact that, you know, you're not gonna wake up one day, you know, the you know, a week after, you know, the birth of your kiddo and you're like, Wow, I can't play drums anymore. Like that will clearly always be with
4: you. Yeah. yeah. On the contrary, I was driven even more. You know, so, and that's when I you know perform or, or I created the band uh, Grip Incorporated, right. you know, and that we released four albums, five albums, and I loved that band. and now listening back, you know, um, you know I'm very proud of that music, and a lot of people feel the same. you know, they really like that work, that body of work that I did. And I got to meet some amazing people, and you know, like we said earlier, you learn a lot through the process. You know, of of creating a new band and and what it takes, and in a different time, you know, because I had to form a new band in the '90s, in the mid '90s, you know, where grunge, you know, was was becoming popular, where industrial music, you know, was you know the hard style of, of music. At least I got into, you know, and then you know there, there was bands like Corn and you know that were coming up, that were, were, were a bit different. So, you know, it was challenging, but well worth it.
3: Yeah, I also like what you said right there, too, where, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, view, you know, these life events from an artistic I- expression, whether it's, like, you know, marriage, kids, like, all these things, like, oh, man, you're not going to have, like, time to do these things, but I really like how the fact that you... It, all it did for you was refocus on the fact, like, no, I'm taking this seriously, because, like, now... You know, I, I clearly have another mouth to feed beyond my own and my family is like, now this is like, this is really on me as opposed to um, where I, you know, I was just playing music for, you know, ostensibly as selfish reasons for just yourself.
4: You know? Right, right, exactly. So, you know, again, it's not an easy road. And if anybody asks me today, hey, you know, what do you think? Should should I pursue a career in music? And it'd be like, it's it's hard it's very very hard i mean my own son you know he tells me dad it's so difficult you know not only to to start a band and and be a part of a working band but you know also to follow in my footsteps you know and i tell him you know i said son you know i i was brought up at a different time i'm on a whole different path you just continue doing what you're doing if you love it you know just keep doing it. there's no reason to stop you know it doesn't matter you know I've always told them that you know I'll play in front of you know forty thousand fifty thousand people, but I'll also play in front of fifty people uh, it doesn't matter as long as you're playing uh, that should satisfy the passion at, at any level so um you know it's um, it's a crazy ass career in a crazy ass world you have to you know live in and and deal with you know because it's fickle you know it's really uh you know you never know if people are going to like it or not
3: right or it's it's very much the what have you done for me lately attitude obviously
4: yeah of course everybody wants to be you know you know spoon fed you know what they like and, and instead of you know them you know kind of embracing it and maybe growing with it or you know with the music or, or style whatever it is you know if it doesn't fall under a particular category they just don't like it you know so you just have to try to convince them you know in, in, in one way or another
3: right <laughs> um the uh you know like you mentioned earlier in regards to you feel in such a zen state where you're able to be creative in all these different musical endeavors that are all you know under the umbrella of aggressive music, but are also distinctly different. Um, And, you know, I mean, going back to, you know, your time in Phantomas and, like you said, with Dead Cross, you, to me, just like observing your career from an outsider's perspective, um, to me, it looks very much like people approach you and you go, hey, that sounds fun, let's do it. Is that, I mean, like, is that kind of, in simple terms, is that kind of like how things kind of come up where it's like, oh, that sounds rad. Let's do that.
4: Yes, <laughs> basically. Um, you know, I mean, there's, there's bands that I've turned down, you know, and there's projects that I've turned down. And I don't know why, but for some reason, something hits me and, and it's my gut, my heart, Whatever it is, you know, I, I, I listened to the offer and, you know, I, I either, you know, feel very positive or I feel nothing at all. And, um, you know, when when the Misfits uh, offer came in and, and Glenn called me, you know, there was something, there was one thing I knew and, and although I wasn't familiar with music, but I did know that the name Misfits was larger than life. You know, it was just, it was a name and a, and a logo and, uh, uh, um, you know, that skeleton, you know, uh, it was something that has been around for a long time and people knew it so uh when he asked me i was it was almost like you know what absolutely let's do this right, right. this sounds like fun you know this sounds like a it it sounds you know like a good time and and historic you know because the band hadn't been together in in 35 years or something so i had to say yes you know and you know when Glenn Danzig calls you up and says, "Hey, you know we're doing a reunion with the Misfits." Really, are you going to say no? <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah, and just like Mike Muir, Mike Muir calls you and says, "Hey, Dave, you wanna you wanna play some shows with Suicidal?" Hey, you know, come on, you're going to say yes. So. <laughs> There was,
3: um, yeah there was no there was no way that you could have been like you know what I don't think so and then like a week later you'd be like wait what what was i say what was i thinking why did i say that? yeah
4: yeah why didn't i take that you know right but you know you just got to follow your heart and i felt that uh, you know everything fell into place at a perfect time so
0: yeah
3: do you um kind of on that same point? We you know you're playing you're kind of airdropped into these really you know high profile scenarios. Whether it was like you said, the, you know the Misfits reunion or you know playing with suicidal tendencies, just because you know I mean suicidal. Like you know they, yeah they play a handful of shows each year, but you know when you suicidal tendencies come to town, like a lot of people pay attention to it. Um, do you like? I know know this sounds like a total basic question, but like, do you get nervous at all anymore, or is it one of those things you kind of just operate on autopilot when it comes to those high-pressure situations?
4: I get nervous. Okay. Very nervous. Yes. How does it make? I get I get excited. Okay. But you know, there's there's a bit of nervousness because it's like let's say, for example, the first uh, Misfit show and even the first suicidal show mm-hmm. this these are like for me yeah you learn the music and you know you're playing on st- and and you're about to hit the stage for the first time ever with this band and uh there's like anxiety there's nerves and you know you just don't know how it's going to you know translate um even even at rehearsals you know there's nothing you know more than um, than the pressure you get. You know from going on stage. That's when all eyes are on you. Absolutely, you, you cannot uh, make a mistake. You have to be on point. Make sure that you remember every single cue, every note that you took down, and um, that kind of adds to to the nerves. But after you get used to it. Let's say with suicidal, you become anxious. You know, you're just like, come on, I want to play. You know, when when you get used to it, um, the shows that I find uh, that really you know mess with my nerves are shows I do uh, when I have to improvise. Okay. Um, I, I do these shows with this uh this amazing composer uh named John Zorn and uh and him and i we do these saxophone drum duets uh improvisation duets and um they're challenging and you know you just you don't know what's going to happen and adds so much to to the excitement you know of the evening um, because he could start something and you're like, Okay, where do I take it from here? You know, and, and that's the challenge, you know, because he might throw something at you, you know, a melodic phrase and you're just like okay you can't tell him, Can you try that again? You know, you can't say that because everything we don't go over anything, any music whatsoever before we hit the stage we just simply look at each other who starts who do you want to start uh, you me right uh you know someone will say dave why don't you start or why don't we both start you know it's like okay and um it, it's it's really cool and and that kind of performance is the one that really messes with me
3: right um, yeah no i can i yeah. can completely understand that because you know clearly there's no blueprint like it's just you're like well i guess i'm uh i'm following this person's lead and i hope that this lead that i'm going to do is not just stepping all over what he's doing
4: exactly yeah and you can't play over you can't uh you know in when you improvise you have to you have to kind of know when to take the spotlight and when to hold back you know and um there's a lot of listening involved and you have to really watch, you know, um, who you're improvising with their, their body language, right. you know? So th- there's a lot involved where people might think, Oh, you're just up there, you know, um, you know, just making noise or whatever, just beating on the drums. It's like, no, we're actually listening to each other. And when, you you know you have a good show when somebody walks up to you after the show and says, um, "Can I buy this music?" You know, it's like, "No, this was all improvised. This will be the only time you've ever heard this." And they're like, "This is all written." And it's like, I mean, they say this was all improvised, and it's like, "Yeah," he said, "I, I thought." you know, it was, uh, it was written, it sounded like it was written. And I said, well, that's the art of improvising is to make something sound like it's supposed to be there. And, um, so that's, that's when, you know, you have a good show, you know, when it comes to, to improvising.
3: Yeah. No, Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a few last things before I let you go. Um, nothing, nothing brings me, uh, so much entertainment than when, you know, I'm, I'm, Clearly, I'm putting research anytime I I speak to somebody on one of these. So, like when you know you Google someone's name, um, my favorite thing is like in the auto auto populate of Google, it goes uh, you know. So, like for your name, it would be you know Dave Lombardo, and then it has you know interview drums, whatever. And then you know like third or fourth result is like net worth, which I find so funny because like so you know that means that people are googling people such as yourself and it's like how much is Dave Lombardo worth, and I find it. You know, I find it just hilarious because it's like, you know, you're a working musician, and like, yes, you've been able to make a living off of it. Um, But, you know, from my estimation, you are not, uh, you know, rolling around with like seven houses and are like, you know, seven- hell no.
4: Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Yeah. That I hate that, you know, because people have this, this view of you, like, as if you're, like you said, rolling around and, you know, fucking, you know, Rolls Royces and, and Lamborghinis and, uh, no, <laughs> you know, you know, we're still, you know, you know, working hard, you know? And, uh, yeah, all those numbers that those are, way false <laughs> yeah. those are oh, yeah no, they I, are I, wrong well, i don't even know how they calculate that what do, what do they calculate the i have no idea the, the the net worth of of slayer and divide it by four no i don't think so <laughs> no,
3: no, totally. Yeah. I, I mean yeah. I, fr- I frankly have never gone down the rabbit hole to even look at those numbers but um yeah because i i just like i said i find it so funny because there's there's no way that a pr- that whatever it is that it's spitting out is a even remotely accurate portrayal of what this working musician is actually quote unquote worth. I just find it so funny and I'm sure.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're 100% right. And, and it annoys me a bit. Right. Sometimes I feel like telling him, you know what, remove my name from your list because, uh, you know, it's not accurate. Right. And, uh, you know, and besides that, it's none of your fucking business. You <laughs> <know>? <laughs> <laughs> totally. totally. <Yeah>.
3: Uh, <laughs> um, and so, uh, the, you know, like when, when you are clearly not, you know, on the road or be, you know, being in your active press cycle, like you are right now, um, you know, w- what are some things that you do that are, I guess, you know, separate from the music world, whether it's like, you know, yeah, I like to, you know, collect Legos or like whatever from that perspective, like, is there any other things that are not attached to music or is like, yo, this is, this is my thing. There's uh you know, this, I, I live and breathe this stuff.
4: Um, I live and breathe music okay. because even on my days off or days I don't have really anything to do, I'm constantly thinking of music or listening to something. Um, I find I find peace in music, you know, because it occupies my mind. Um, but I think another thing I, I enjoy is um, um, is peace. Uh, I really, I'm at a, at a point, of, I love chaos, but I really enjoy peace as well, you know? And, you know, um, just going to the beach, okay. uh, walking, taking walks, and just...
3: Um, are, you, are you messing around with, like, uh, meditation or anything like that?
4: Um, I always have. Okay. Um, I, I practiced uh, some of this... You know, visualization kind of meditation Um, when I was in high school. And, you know, I remember my friend, he goes, Dude, this is a hypnosis tape my psychology, my teacher in psychology, you know, gave me. And I said, What is it? He said, Check it out, man. Picture, he said, Picture yourself uh, playing drums in front of, uh, you know, thousands of people. I said, really? He said, yeah, man, do it. And so I, in uh, it was this cassette tape and, and some guy just, you know, uh, uh, talking in a very, um, very um, calm voice telling you to, you know, take deep breaths and uh, picture yourself in the most comfortable chair in your home, you know, and uh, picture yourself floating in space and now uh, picture yourself behind uh, or, or picture yourself doing something that you love and want to be successful with. And it was this whole, I think, you know, 20, 30 minute cassette tape of of this kind of talk. And uh, I loved it. And you know, I don't have that tape anymore or anything, but you know, when I am presented with a new project, uh, now we're back to working instead of, notice how we're going back to work instead of (laughs) of relaxing. But it's it's along the same vein. So when I'm at home relaxing and I'm, I'm offered a new project, I will listen to the music more than I will practice the music. I will listen to it, close my eyes, and visualize myself performing the music um, before I even pick up a pair of drumsticks and try to play it. And I think that's part of the learning process for me. So, um, so that's, that's to the extent I've, I practiced any kind of meditation or, or anything like that. Uh, but I do, what I do enjoy is just, um, you know, taking walks, sitting on a patio, having a sangria, you know, or something, right, you know, right. it is, that's, that for me is, is like, um, that's very peaceful and, and enjoyable for me. It's like, ah, relaxing.
3: Yeah. You know. Stillness.
4: Yeah, stillness. Yeah. yeah. And you know, especially when you find a, a great location and you're just, you know, let's say looking out to the ocean or or you're in the mountains or whatever and just being quiet. You know, just sitting there quiet and uh absorbing is for me very gratifying.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I can easily see that. Um, the last thing I wanted to hit on was, um, you know, clearly since you're a father and like you mentioned that your you, your son's into drumming, um, you know, clearly uh, kids get to ages in which they think that their parents are clearly the, not the coolest thing ever and whatever they're into is lame and they got to forge their own path and that stuff. Um, but I mean, clearly it sounds like there isn't. There is maybe some of that at the house, but maybe not to the extent of what it is for, you know, maybe other parents that are like, you know, accountants or something like that. Um, how is that, uh, you know, kind of back and forth with your kids where because I mean, how many kids do you have? Do you have two
4: or I have three? Okay. I have two boys and one girl.
3: OK. And so, like, what is their relationship with, uh, you know, your music and your, um, you know, your overactive nature to be in a one hundred thousand bands? <laughs>
4: Uh, Um, well, I think they find me a little entertaining. uh, I think they're more mature sometimes than I am because I get to, I, I'm sometimes a little, you know, I, I, I come off the rails sometimes, you know, and, and, and they laugh, you know, and, um, you know, I'm sorry, what was the question again? I'm I got distracted here. No,
3: it's it's fine. I was basically just saying like the their their relationship with uh, you know, your your music, whether they think it's, you know, cool that dad plays in a bunch of bands or it's like, oh yeah, dad's into some weird stuff. But like, you know, I still love him, but
4: No, know. no, they they think it's cool. They they enjoy it. Um you know, but like like I told you before, they they know that it's difficult. And they've seen me go through many you know, difficult moments, you know, in my life, you know, from very high to, to damn all the way to the bottom. So, um, you know, they understand, you know, how it is, but no, they, they think dad's cool. And, uh, I don't think uh, they've ever looked at me and says, oh man, he's, he's out of it or, or man, he's a pain or anything. No, I I think I'm a pretty cool dad. And, um, you know, and and in turn, you know, they're good kids too. That's you know, cool. my oldest is into uh, he's into audio engineering.
3: Okay,
4: you know, he works for for this company. Um, you know, editing uh, music for uh, for like commercials and and music videos, and he's also like you know, working at, at Pro Audio and in, in, at Guitar Center. And then my other son, he has a band and he manages, you know, another guitar center in in Beverly Hills. And so, you know, they're all involved in music. They're all doing their thing and they're all kicking ass. And my daughter, she's she really loves horses. You know, she trains her own horse and, nice. you know, has been working with it for the past probably, you know, three, four months. And, you know, she's about to graduate next year and who knows where, you know, her path is going to take her. So, Yeah. Uh, but very cool. I'm very, uh, I'm very proud of all three of them.
3: Yeah, no, that's cool. It just I, the reason I asked that is because you know it, it, it's interesting because you know clearly like your parents had no context for what you were doing. Um, you know, from a drumming aspect and the fact that you wanted to play in a band, they were just like, "What the hell is Dave doing?" But then you know exactly. But then now you know you have a you know a unconventional life path, and now you're probably able to look at your kids with, you know, really whatever path that they decide to choose and like have a basic understanding of like, oh yeah, if they're doing something, you know, that's pursuing the arts, like, you know, I did that, so I understand that. And then, you know, if one of your kids decides to, you know, be a lawyer or whatever, you're like, well, I didn't do that, but I still understand it, you know?
4: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I always tell them, you know, to follow, you know, let's say, let's say like you just mentioned, if you want to be a lawyer you're not going to then, you know, get a job at um, at a music store. You know, you're, you're going to want to get a job at a law firm and work your way up, you know, either in that law firm or in that, uh, that job style, you know, or, you know, that career. Um, so I always make sure that, you know, that I tell them, hey, just – you know, always work in in even though you're may not be playing on stage Uh, you know, drums in front of thousands of people, you could still play drums and have a band, but also have maybe a job in in the music industry. You know, be a part of the music industry. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to, you know, be on tour and and doing that, you know, because sometimes that doesn't happen for everyone. Mm -hmm. So as long as you're doing what you love, which is music, being a part of doing something that you love, that I think is important you know, so, yeah, kind of kind of gets you ready for the future you know if if something happens in in this branch of your career, hey you could you can go to this other you know this other branch of of music and and work there and you know try to be as you know diverse as you can within um, you know your own um, passion.
3: Right, right. No, that's yeah, that's awesome. It's cool that you're able to, like I said, have have that context and be supportive. So that's that's very cool. Well, Dave, I honestly really appreciate you taking this time because uh yeah, this is an enjoyable chat for me. So thanks for sharing all of what you did.
4: You're welcome, Raymond.
3: Yeah. That was Dave. Great dude, right? Just 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 doing the damn thing, playing drums unbelievably well. And um yeah, keeps that keeps that that level head on his shoulders because, um, yeah. And granted I would never bring a person that doesn't have a level head on the show because I probably wouldn't have very much to talk to them about because they would be too much up their own butt. So, but anyways, but Dave, thank you very much. And, uh, thank you very much to his publicist, Monica for hooking this up because I really, really appreciate when publicists, uh, you know are just just pleasant people to deal with it's very nice to be able to deal with professional people and uh executing these interviews and making my life easier because of it so um yeah what do we got next week we have John Porcell from the legendary bands youth of today shelter judge the and project x let's not forget about project x uh the dude's been around and I was very excited to go over to his apartment and we had a unbelievable conversation um i just i learned things that i never really learned about in regards to like youth of today and the early touring life and then shelter and just a bunch of interesting stuff so and uh, that's in advance of shelter's appearance at the beautiful this is hardcore festival which i've still yet to go to but um yeah maybe one of these days I'll, i'll i'll make it out there anyways uh that's all i got for you guys this week and please be safe everybody until next week You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.
5: The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through.